Hare Krishna. Good morning to everyone. And good morning to everyone who's listening in by internet, radio, telephone. Everybody who's staying in to avoid the hideous virus. Those of you who are brave enough to come out and expose yourself. Anyhow, as someone has said recently, we take, we take precautions. We're careful, very careful. As I understand it, Srila Prabhupada and also Damal uh, Krishna Goswami Maharaj were both very careful in uh, dealing with their physical bodies because they were such an important asset. They're our most important asset. I'll accept that from you. Thank you. I'm Rupanda Gudas, here with you this morning, disciple of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada. This morning we're going to be reading, continuing our reading in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, First Canto, and we will be in chapter 6, and we will begin reading chapter, uh, text number 6 in chapter 6. So, text number 6, and we'll be reading through chapter 9. Yes, thank you. Before we begin, though, we will have our invocation to the Supreme Lord, asking for His blessings, His presence with us. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vardhari Jai Gopi Janavala Bhagiri Vardhari Yashura Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashura Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tiravanachari Jamuna Tiravanachari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bo Jai Om Vishnupad Paramahansa Parivijaka Charja Hasto Tarasat Sri Srimad's Divine Grace Abhaya Chanadavinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Om Vishnu Pad Padamahansa Paripitaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimad's Divine Grace Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai Iskan BBT Founder Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Jai Sri Rup Sri Sanatan Bhattaragunath 
Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasaraganath Sadko Sami Prabhu Ki Jai Nama Charja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai Prem Se Kahu Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasari Gora Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamarkun Radhakun Kiri Govardhan Ki Jai Shri Vandavandam Ki Jai Shri Maturadam Ki Jai Shri Mayapur Navadit Dhamma Ki Jai Shri Jagannath Puridam Ki Jai Shri Shri Radha Kalachanjidam Ki Jai Ganga Devi Ki Jai Jamunamai Ki Jai Tulsi Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Brihat Madanga Transcendental Book and Prasadam Distribution Ki Jai Nittai Gaura Premananda Hari Hari Bhu all glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Vistaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Vedanta Swamini Tinamane Namaste Sarasvati Devi Kodapani Pacharine Nivasesha Shinivari Pasatadeshtani Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chayvanarotamam Devim Sarasvatim Yasan Tato Jayam Udirayat Nasta Prishwa Bandreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yutamashloke Bhakti Bhavani Naistaki Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Once again, uh, for those of you who have just joined us online or by internet, by radio or telephone, we'll be reading from Canto 1, Chapter 1, sorry, Chapter 6, Text Number 6. And I think that is the text that's written on the board, is it not? Okay. Uh, we're going to read line by line in the beginning, and then we'll uh, read the translations. Ekatmajamejanani Ekatmajamejanani Yosin Mudha Chakinkara. That should have been Kinkari. Yosin Mudha Chakinkari. Mayatma Jananya Gato. Chakri Snehanubandhanam. Ekatma Ekatma Jamejanani Yosin Buddha Chakinki Kari Mayatma Jananya Gato Chakri Snehanubandhanam Ekatma Jamme Janani Yosin Mudha Chakinkari Mayat Maje Nanyagato Chakresnehanubandhanam Chant, please. Ekatma Majame Janani Yosin Mudha Chakinkari 
Chakinkari Mayat Maje Nanyagato Chakresneha Nubandanam. Would you like to chant? Ekat Maja Mejanani Yoshin Mudha Chakinkari Mayat maje nanyagato Chakresnehu nabandanam Ladies, any, anyone, anyone else want to chant? Or gentlemen? Ekatmajame janani Yosin mudha chakinkari Mayatmani Gato Chakesneha Nubandanam. Good. Thank you all very much. Uh, translation I was the only son of my mother who was not only a simple woman, but a maidservant as well. Since I was her only offspring, she had no other alternative for protection. She bound me with a tie of, of affection. Uh, so, if you will repeat with me, please. I was the only son of my mother, who was not only a simple woman, but a maidservant as well. Since I was her only offspring, she had no other alternative for protection. She bound me with a tie of affection. Very nice. These words are being spoken by um, Narada Muni, Sri Narada Muni, who is, uh, who is now speaking to um, Srila Veda Vyas, or Srila Vyasdev. He's speaking to Srila Vyasdev, telling him a little, he's answering questions that have been asked. Um, by Srila Vyasadeva about his own past, how he, he became the person that he is now. He's a very powerful jiva soul, uh, this person, Narada Muni is. Powerful jiva soul. Uh, so much so that he appears in the Panchatattva, or the five, that's Lord Chaitanya and his associates. Panchatattva, he is the last. Uh, he appears as Sri Shivas in that incarnation. But uh, Narada Muni is, is a very powerful space cowboy. He, uh, he, uh, he can travel anywhere within this material universe and he can even travel in the spiritual sky. He has the permission to do that. He has been empowered by the Supreme Lord. And so now we're finding out something about his past. But we were warned in here at one time, warned, we were cautioned uh, about uh, considering, ever considering uh, uh, Narada Muni as being ordinary, because he is not ordinary. Very powerful, very unusual person. So we have read text number six. Now I'm going to go ahead and read text seven, eight, and nine, because there's no purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. And uh, we generally will give a class only on, uh, by reading through a text that has purport. So text number seven, I'll make an attempt at the Sanskrit, and, and then we'll, and you, you don't have to repeat this one. Sasvantatra nakalpasid yoga shemam mamechati Ishaya Ishasya Hivase Loko 
Yoshadarumayata. In translation by his divine grace. She wanted to look, talking about his mother, Nardamuni is talking about his mother still. She wanted to look after my maintenance properly, but because she was not independent, she was not able to do anything for me. But she did give him his present body. So that's saying quite a lot. The world is under the full control of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, everyone is like a wooden doll in the hands of a puppet master. Means that we have no independence. Text number eight. Aham cha tad brahma kule ushivam stad upekshaya digdesha kalavyut pano balaka panchahayana. Translation to text 8 by His Divine Grace. When I was a mere child of five years, I lived in a Brahmana school. I was dependent on my mother's affection and had no experience of different lands. Text number 9. Oh, that's, that's a big difference, isn't it? He made quite a lot of advancement somewhere along the way. And that he's, he said at here he had no experience of different lands. Uh, that's when he was a very young child. And most young children don't have experience of other lands. But now, uh, for Narada Muni, that's a lot different, since he can travel anywhere, freely, without any mechanical conveyance. So text number nine. Ekada, did I read? Yeah. Ekada nirgatam gehad. Duhantim Nishigan Pati, that's Nishigam Pati, Sarpo Dasyat Padas Prishita, Kripanam Kalachodita. And the translation to text number nine. Once upon a time, my poor mother, when going out one night to milk a cow, was bitten on the leg by a serpent. Influenced by supreme time. Now we have a short purport by his divine grace, the Prabhupada. That is the way of dragging a sincere soul nearer to God. What? Going out and milking a cow and having a snake bite you? No. By taking away one's mother, even when one is a small child. So in other words, he was left without any relatives to take care of him, Narada Muni. The poor boy was being looked after only by his affectionate mother, and yet the mother was taken uh, from the world by the supreme will in order to put him, that means Narada, completely at the mercy of the Lord. So it is said that when one particularly favors the Lord, uh, the Lord, uh, when the when one is favored by the Lord, the Lord is is kind enough to take away everything that props up that person. It means sometimes even one's physical body, one loses the ability to take care of one's own body. We'll stop here, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we've read and add some add some thoughts also. Om Bhagyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jaina Tasmai Sri Gurave Nama Sri Chaitanya Marobishtam Stavitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Maya Tadati Swabarantikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yutta Padakamalam Sri Gurun Vaishnavam Scha Shri Rupam Sagradattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaruttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishankan Vitam Scha He Krishna Karuna Sundo Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute 
तप्तकंचानकोरांगी राधे बृंदवनेश्वरी वृषपनुसुते देवी प्रणमा हरि प्रिय वंचकल्पतुभ्यृपिंदुभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नम जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंदीतराधार श्रीवासरीकोरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे नाम ओम विष्णु बदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते ठमा कृष्ण गोस्वामी नमने so some some thoughts here and that is regarding uh uh realizing one's dependency um, when we come into this world we begin our lives our existence in these bodies with complete de- dependency there's practically nothing that we can do for ourselves and that's the nature although some animals some lower species the 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 offspring takes birth and almost immediately begins doing what they have to do which is searching for food and protecting themselves but human beings are not like that for some reason krishna has designed these bodies so that we have to be under the care of a mother father grandmother grandfather someone who can take care of us so we enter the world with absolutely no personal means of survival if if we just left a human child out uh with no no one to care for him the child would very soon depart from that body and so krishna has made the very wonderful arrangement that a child would be looked after most children i think i can say safely most children have the good fortune of having someone who really cares for them and we see that even among the some of the lower species that they they're very gentle in caring for their their offspring even though they happen to be great carnivores and they'll eat your flesh if you get into their territory and so so we we take we take good care we understand that krishna has provided a place for every living entity who comes into this world and so if you have the body of a grizzly bear or polar bear or some other a tiger or something uh that only sees you in your present body as dinner then you have to be very respectful and careful around such creatures uh, no need to harm them if there's any way to to keep from doing so to prevent the loss of your own life so we have we everything that we know then we have to be taught by others about this world that we're in and even from tiny babies you know we they hear the sounds if if they're fortunate to have hearing and some children do not some children are born without hearing but if a child's born then he hears the sounds of his parents and others who are making pleasant noises around him and and eventually as the child grows into to uh, uh boyhood or girlhood it means they get on up into the years like 4 or 5 years old uh then they begin to discover other things for themselves and some things they can they can interpret for themselves otherwise they have to be told by their parents or by their grandparents or someone who cares about them this is something that you need to be careful of you can't you can't mess around with this uh, this is off limits to you you know i've got grandchildren coming to my house every day and the little ones just they just have to be told everything and you have to move everything up out of their reach so a child is is just uh really um it is so dependent on an on an adult or someone else who cares for them even in this society i've heard of of young children like i'm talking about maybe 13 14 years old who have somehow the found themselves left with the responsibility of looking after a younger sibling and that amazing a child having to take the role of a parent in this society for for a number of reasons that we won't even go into
So uh, we children have to learn the name and the purpose of all kinds of material objects. And we can just imagine that this little boy, Narada Muni, and as a child uh, whose mother was a maidservant, you know, he had to be taught all these things. And so he was very much dependent on his mother. <clears throat> and then when his mother was taken from him, then he had to depend on the sagacious persons who were in the in the area. He was fortunate enough to have the uh, the teachings and the uh, the association of, of very uh, sage sage like personalities. And uh, Mother Antir Yami, who gave class yesterday, was talking about how he he uh, he received the remnants. He asked for the remnants from the plate. Or maybe he didn't even ask. He just received the remnants of foodstuffs from the plates of those great souls that he was, he, was, he was practically living around and hearing them every day, hearing what they were talking about. And so we, we can see also for this, from this example that uh, association, even at a very early stage of one's life, can be highly influential in determining the kind of person that you become. Um, perhaps you can remember times, things that happened to you back in the early part of your own life, which were perhaps maybe not so kind by another person. And, and maybe that had some effect on you even to the present day. And of course, when we get, we get it to get up to the point of being adults, then we, we start, uh, being taught our, our position in society and the expectations that others have of us. And so, <clears throat> therefore, uh, uh, throughout our lives, even when we get up into our middle years, we're still having to learn from other people. So, when we come, kind of come into independence, we kind of merge into independence a little bit uh, when we uh, get to be of the age that one expects us to be able to go out and, and fend for ourselves, means to make a livelihood for ourselves and to defend ourselves from other bad characters. And so those are things that we have to learn when we do come into independence. And we, we've, but we also come to see others as our competitors a lot of times. And because it is said that one of the reasons that the living entity, the jiva soul, who is our identity, one, one of the reasons for coming into this material world is that we want to be independent of authority. We, we, want, to, we want the world of Krishna without Krishna. We don't want to have to submit ourselves to a higher authority. And so that's part of, part of our independence that we develop throughout the years uh, when we are pretty much having to depend on others to teach us about the world that we're in. Um, the, uh, uh, how many of you have read the Mahabharata? Have you had, or you've heard from the Mahabharata? You've learned some things, maybe haven't read the entire book. Anyhow, the the big uh, the big uh, protagonists in that book, the main characters are known as the Pandavas. They're five boys uh, who are who were birthed by three by two different mothers, had the same father, Pandu, and Pandu was the uh, successor to the kingdom. Uh, so he, instead of uh, staying in a place like uh, Hastinapur where all the political activity and such was going on, he chose instead to take his family out into the hills, into the, into the mountains. And, and he raised his, raised his sons there up until a certain point. They were still young boys, but they were being taught. And there were all kinds of sages living around them, so they had a tremendous amount of good influence at that age. They learned to be very highly respectable and highly respectful young men. But even they had to, to deal with adversaries who were their own cousins, uh, who were very envious, the chief of whom, Doryodhan, was very envious of the chief, uh, the head of the Pandavas. Um, 
that was Eudistir. Uh, and so and so they the the cousins then whose father was the blind king Dhritarashtra he was in charge of the kingdom in the absence of Pand- Pandu's heir which would have been Yudhisthir so since Yudhisthir was not old enough then to move into the position of a monarch of the entire planet earth as far as we understand then his his blind uncle who was not who was not qualified spiritually to be the leader of the entire kingdom. He was acting as the emperor of the world. And he wanted his own son, Doyadan, to uh, succeed him in, in taking over the throne. So uh, the Pandavas, the Pandavas uh, when they came back down out of the mountains with their mother, uh, Queen Kunti, uh, uh, after the death of their father, Pandu, then they came back into Hastinapur and they came into a setting in which there were, there were, it was just filled with their antagonistic cousins and there was always some, some rift between them until when they got to be adults, then their, uh, their cousins actually tried to kill them so that they would have no rivals for the control of the kingdom. So we, as, as we grow, as we continue growing up, then we, we start to see some people as our competitors, and instead of seeing them as uh, like brothers and sisters, we see them as competitors. So uh, we have to then it's we have to learn about compassion for other people, and and how to how to uh, show love and concern for other people's welfare and their spiritual welfare is is really of ultimate importance in this in this society in which we live especially the western part of the the world uh we see that um a uh, lot of lot of young people growing up not having any particular regard for anybody outside his own little particular sphere of influence that means his family members and then when he gets out into the broader world then he uh, has to develop this attitude of compassion if it's ever going to come. So we, we sometimes, when we get out away from our parents, you know, maybe like we have a lot of, of young people now who are coming from India, taking jobs in this country um, and uh, starting their families. And we, I'm sure that when they come here, unless they've got relatives here, uh, uh, anyone coming from another place into a city like Dallas then uh, has some difficulties dealing with other people. And so uh, it, it really helps then to have someone to uh, teach one uh, not to feel so alone in the, in the fight to survive. So we see that Narada Muni is apparently is not going through this stage of life in which he feels that he has to become independent and that he has to struggle and fight for his own existence. Instead, he has the good fortune of being in the society of saintly people. So then we receive teachings from others about our own identity and our own purpose because in our Western society and the other religions besides this Vaishnava religion, uh, we're not really taught our identity. And so therefore we grew up thinking that we are these bodies, even though it doesn't really make sense rationally to us, yet because we receive all of our input from the surroundings through our five senses, we consider ourselves to be very much connected with these bodies. And as a result of that, then we, we never know until someone comes along and tells us what our real identity is, and that is of being spirit souls. In other words, instead of being, a, I'm, I'm, I'm this body and I have a spirit soul inside me somewhere, that's the eternal part of me that will go on living. I don't know much about it, but that's just what I've been taught. And that's what people, some people have been taught. And so when, whenever uh, people, especially here in the West, hear about uh, their own identity, 
That is the fact that you're a spirit soul. You're a spark of the spiritual energy of the Supreme Lord. You have personality. You're eternal. You, you have never come into being. You have always existed just as the Supreme Lord has existed. And so because you have those three qualities of the Supreme Lord, that is Sat, Chit, Ananda, that means that you're eternal, that you uh, that, that that you're sat-chit, that you're full of knowledge in your original position as a spirit soul in the heavenly kingdom or in the spiritual world, and you're full of bliss. But we don't find that to be so uh, so much the characteristics of ourselves when we come into this material world and accept these physical bodies because of our thinking that these bodies, that's who we are. And therefore, I have to fight and I have to study hard and I have to try to put myself into a good position so that I can make this body very comfortable. And so that's our main concern. So it really takes someone who, who, has, who is in knowledge to come to us and help to rescue us from this, uh, from this really dark ignorance that we find ourselves in. You know, spending 30, 40, 50 years of our lifetimes not really knowing who we are, why we came here, what we're supposed to be doing, or where we're going when this body is finished. And we know that this body will be finished because it's just like any other mechanism that's made of material stuff. Even though it's organic, still it's being driven by the energy of the soul that is inside the body. So we know that this body is going to eventually come to nothing and that we have to be prepared for our next destination. So how can we be prepared without, not, without knowing something about that destination? That's just like in, in the Christian religion that I grew up in, Methodism, uh, we were taught that uh, you're supposed to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that sounded like a pretty good idea, but, uh, you know, what, what does he look like? Uh, what's, what are his qualities? What does he do? What's he do during the day? When I'm here in this world struggling, what is he doing? Does he have anybody around him? You know, so these are the questions that, that sometimes young children will ask. And sometimes, well, a lot of times, they're shut down by their parents. By, you know, they hear their parents say something like, you know, some things we're just not intended to know in this world. We just have to accept it. And so, but the, but the Vaishnav literature that we're reading now, the Srimad Bhagavatam especially, and by the way, if anyone is listening in, you don't have a, a, a set of the Bhagavatam in your house. If you don't have a copy of the Bhagavad Gita in your house. If you don't have a copy of the Chaitanya Charitamrita in your house. Those four, three literatures, uh, then you really, you're really de- depriving yourself and others in your household uh, of the ability to find out all kinds of information about who we are, where we've come from, and what is our, what, where we're going after this. So we receive these teachings about our identity and our purpose. We come to know who our, what our real identity is, but uh, we're not, sometimes we're not so certain about the, our occupation. And a lot of people have to you know, bounce from one thing to another in this society that we're in now to try to find out what kind of occupation I'm suited for. I don't, I don't really have any knowledge or interest and so I'm just wondering, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? So this is something that others can help us to learn. We understand that our real purpose in being in this world is to reawaken our connection with the Supreme Lord. And once that connection is awakened, then, and then we have the responsibility for helping awaken others to their connection with the Supreme Lord. Otherwise, what happens? We go through life making the same kinds of mistakes that everybody else does. And when we get to be older, we get very despondent because we've lost our beauty. We've lost our strength. We've lost our ability to remember sometimes. Uh, we don't have, we're not really employable anymore. So even though we might have worked for 30 or 40 years at some job, uh, when we retire, we're no longer considered to be a valuable part of society. 
you know, just being old. So we have to know, we have to get ready for that time of life. And there's n- really nobody teaching us how to do that. They, they, there are a lot of companies that want to sell us drugs to keep us feeling as though we're still 30 years old when we're actually in our 60s, 70s, 80s. <clears throat> but that is not really a solution to the problem. Only solution to the problem is to find out who we are, where we come from, and where we're going. And then also that will help us to know what we're supposed to be doing while we're here. Because Krishna tells Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita that uh, whatever state of consciousness you obtain, attain to, uh, by the time you get ready to leave your body, to that state you will attain without fail. In other words, whatever is in your consciousness at the time you get ready to depart from your body, that's a state that that your subtle body is your what we call the astral body, the subtle body. That's what is going to be taking you into your next physical body. So you're determining all throughout your life, and we, we've had this instruction now for quite a few years, uh, what we do in our lifetimes while we're living determines to a great extent what our consciousness is going to be at the time of our departure from these bodies. And that consciousness is what propels us into our next situation. Now, if we have been, if we followed the instructions of Scripture very carefully, then we can expect that we're going to make some progress in our next lifetime. And Krishna assures Arjuna that that's exactly what will happen. <clears throat> because Arjuna asks, what, what about someone who takes up this path of bhakti yoga, but does not complete it? What happens to him? Is he like a cloud that's just blown away by the wind? And so uh, Krishna tells Arjuna, no, that won't happen at all. Whatever progress you've made here in this lifetime, you will start at that point in your consciousness in your next lifetime. And if you've lived a very pious lifetime, uh, then you will take your birth likely in a, in a, in a family of wealthy, uh, wealthy persons, uh, or you'll take your, uh, your birth in a family of advanced spiritualists, yogis. And he says, verily, such a birth is rare in this world. So we have to try really hard then to, uh, to get our consciousness to the point of remembering who we are and what we should be doing, where we have come from, so that when we depart from these bodies, and we don't know when that's going to happen, I'm sure that each one of us knows someone who is who has been, uh, who has had a friend or someone who's given up his body when he was maybe, you know, 15, 20 years old, 30 years old. It's, it's not at all uncommon that people would give up their body. So we have to decide, are, are we going to just wait and be taken away like that without uh, any time to try to correct anything that we've done in this lifetime? Or are we going to spend our entire lifetimes in preparation for what comes at the end? Because this whole trip that we're going through right now, going through this material world, thank you very much for coming, Hare Krishna. The whole, the whole uh, thing of, of going through this, I mean, it's taken so much effort and so much determination to be successful in getting through this material world. But if we spend part of our lifetimes at least getting ready for, for what's coming next, then we can, we can be very confident that Krishna has promised us that uh, whatever progress that we make, he's going to carry that, and then he's going to provide that which we lack. So Krishna, has, he's very loving. He's a very loving person. He, he really wants us out of this material world, but he's not going to force us to leave. He's going to let us stay as long as we want to. And at the end of this lifetime, if we still want to come back and be with the people that we were with, if we still have something we want to accomplish in this material world, Krishna's not going to force us to go back into the spiritual world. He's going to allow us to come back into this material world and do it all over again. Start with a nice, fresh, new body, and hopefully one that works pretty well. And then, and then he's going to give us a lifetime, at least some period of time, to try to get done whatever it was that we intended to do. 
And, and, and so we know from our own observation and from what Scripture says that this material world is not becoming a nicer place to be. It's becoming worse and worse. And until it, there's a reversal of that process uh, by the influence of spiritual personalities who come to this planet just to spread information about Krishna, until that happens, then this, this material world is going to be a very bad place to be. So we don't really want to come back, but we, we, we don't refuse to come back either. We don't, we don't pray, my dear Lord, you know, please just let me out of this material world. Although some of us are about to that point, you know, when, when times have been so difficult that we do want to leave. We want to get out of this material world. But unless we really want to get out, Krishna is going to give us every opportunity for coming back into this world and trying once again to figure it out, what we were supposed to have learned this, this, during this lifetime that we're in now. So how are we going to learn what's, what is the best way? Tadvidi pranipatena padiprashtena sevaya uparakshanti te gyanam ganinas tatvadarshana Krishna just tell, tells Arjuna, just try to search out a spiritual master, bona fide spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively. Render service to him. Uh, the the self-realized the self souls can, uh, can teach you the truth because they have seen the truth. They can help you make progress because they have seen the truth. Tattva Darshina. They have seen the truth. And so that's the purpose then for us in this lifetime, not only to find a bona fide spiritual master who can help us to learn what we need to know, but then also to think more about others' own spiritual plights than we do our own. In other words, once we have learned what we need to be doing and what the results are for going back into the spiritual world, in other words, why that is, should be so attractive to us. Once we learn that, then it is, it is upon us. It is an, on us to uh, teach others then, to give them the same information. Whatever we have learned, we need to share it with others. Because this is one of those gifts, like it has been said, that uh, you, the only way you can keep this gift is to give it away. So I think we will stop and ask if there are any comments or questions by anyone on what we've read today. Yes, please. I don't know whether I'll be able to hear you. Do we have, we have a, a cordless microphone. Does anybody know how to find it? All right, well, anyhow, that's okay. I'll, I'll try to hear Mother, hold on. Mother Chandra Bhaga is is uh, is uh, citing one one part of the purport. Was it the purport, or was it the? It was in the purport, in which Srila uh, Prabhupada says that this is what this is Krishna's way of dragging the soul toward Him. All right, go on. What's your question? When when they what? When God favors you. Okay. She's saying, uh, Mother Tanbhaga is saying that uh, in other religious beliefs, uh, when, uh, people are told that whenever God favors you, then he provides you with all kinds of material benefits, opulences. Yeah, so we, we wonder sometimes, why, why is it that Krishna takes everything away? Here I am trying to serve him. So the, the question is, is this one's karma that causes everything to be taken away? Or is this uh, a part of Krishna's plan to help the living entity? And according to the way we understand it, the way that we've been taught is that uh, uh, until a person comes into the association of devotees, those who are trying to worship the Supreme Lord, that is, um, one is under the tight restrictions of the material energy of the Supreme Lord. 
In other words, there's no, there's no freedom. Uh, even though some people think, if I have money, I can be free to do what I want. But that's not so. We understand that uh, Maya Devi, or the material energy of the Lord, represented by Durga Devi, um, is, is, has got the jiva soul under the tight restrictions. Just like being in a prison, it's been compared many times to being in a prison, that when a person comes into a prison for something that he's done wrong in the past, then he has to follow all the rules of the prison keeper. And if he doesn't, then he has to suffer miserably. Actually, it's suffering anyhow because he has no freedom in the prison. So the spirit soul who has not yet started on the path to recognizing and trying to serve the Supreme Lord, he's under those tight restrictions of the laws of this material world. And they can be very difficult. They can cause pain, physical pain, psychological pain. They can cause all kinds of suffering. And that's what a person has to go through. So uh, we, we say, when well, now is Krishna merciful then to drag someone back toward the spiritual kingdom? Well, yeah, because he wants us to be happy. That's our original state. He, he, has, he has, I guess at some point in time, but, well, it is stated that we have never come into being. We're not presently coming into being. The spirit souls are not coming into being. Nor in the future will more souls come into being. The souls who are, are present in this material world, who are present in the spiritual world, they have always existed. The, there was one, one wording in the Bhagavad Gita as it originally came out that was a bit more poetic, not exactly as correct. That is, for the soul, there is never birth nor death, nor having once been, will he ever cease to be. He's unborn, he's eternal, he's primeval, he's not slain when the body is slain. That's also the song on the Change of Heart album, if anybody's heard that. Mangalananda produced that many years ago, devotee of the Lord. So, what, what else? Chandrabhaga Devi. So the the only way, there is no freedom. You're either going to obey the material laws of the Supreme Lord or you're going to obey the spiritual laws. You've got to do one or the other. It's just like living in the state of Texas. You've got to obey the laws of Texas. Otherwise, you're in, you're in deep trouble and you're going to be put into the prison because you're not obeying the laws. Narada Muni, on the other hand, does not have to obey the material laws, even though you know he always acts as a as a very a, a very a, a pr- appropriate Vaishnava. He, in other words, even though uh, it is said that a person who is liberated from this material world does not have to uh, follow any of the regulative restrictions that devotees who are trying to become pure have to follow. But he does. He follows them. In other words, it's said that a Vaishnava is not a Brahmana, that a Vaishnava is higher than a Brahmana. But a Vaishnava has all the Brahminical qualities. So even though he wasn't born in the caste of a Brahmana, still he's taken up all the appearances of, of, a, of a Brahmana. Is that Okay. Anything else that has come to mind? Any questions or comments? I hope it's not a hard question. Okay, let me let me tell everybody who's listening in what you've just said. Um, he he says that the coronavirus is causing uh, it's it's been developed by the demoniac personalities, 
and uh, and and so there are a lot a lot of the people in society are having to suffer with it, and many are are have given up their bodies because of having contracted it. But there are also devotees who have given up their bodies or who have had to suffer miserably with the same disease. Now, I hope I hope you don't have. I'm not going to ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> Why are devotees having to do that? <clears throat> Krishna has, a, in, you know, just as he can drag a devotee to be back with him, he can also take a devotee out of this material world whenever he thinks, or whenever he thinks, whenever he knows that that devotee is ready to make spirit, further spiritual progress. And and Srila Prabhupada is still, he's still preaching somewhere in this material world, we understand. And so, it, you know, it's nice if he can have some of the boys and girls who helped him um, while he was here on this planet, in this universe. It, it, it would be nice if, because a lot of them really want to go be with Prabhupada. You know, they, they were not satisfied when Prabhupada gave up his body and left the planet. And it was very difficult for them. And so they wanted very much to be with Prabhupada, well, just as I want to be with my own spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami. <clears throat> I want to. I want to. Where we you know, whatever I give up my body, I don't want to necessarily go back to the spiritual world. I mean, that would be pretty cool, but uh, that's not really what my ambition is. My ambition is to go and serve my own spiritual master wherever he is. Because he, he spent a lot of his lifetime just rescuing me and my wife uh, from this material world. Why shouldn't I go and, and pay back or pay forward? Now, what was the question? I don't know whether I answered the question. Okay. Oh, it was, it was why, why is it that uh, the devotees are having to suffer from the same thing? Well, you know, Krishna can use a virus like that to take out a person from this material world. Or he can come himself in the form of, of Lord Nrsinghadev and take out a Randikashipu. And that's giving, that's giving a lot of preference to Prahlad Maharaj, who is the person that Lord Nrsinghadev came to protect. But it's also giving a lot of mercy to Randikashipu. Because he had committed so many sinful activities in this world during the lifetime that uh, uh, he was he was just going to have to go go to a hellish condition of life for a very long time. But Lord Krishna came and he touched him with his own nails, and as a result of that, you know, we can only imagine the good fortune of Hiranyakashipu. Not only that, but the Hiranyakashipu's son, Prahlad Maharaj, pure devotee of the Lord. He's there praying to Lord Nrsinghadev, please help my father. And what was Lord Nrsinghadev's response? You don't have to worry about your father. Ten generations before you, ten generations after you, they're all guaranteed liberation. Just because of you. And so that, you know, we look at ourselves, we should look at ourselves in, this, in a very similar way. We can help to rescue ten generations before our own and ten generations after. <clears throat> in other words, as long as we try very hard to become pure devotees, Krishna is going to show special favor to those persons who gave us birth and who, who spent their lifetimes bringing us up in this society. So Krishna, another thing Gantar Yami Devi said yesterday in her class, I was listening last night uh, on the archived version. She said that uh, Krishna doesn't make mistakes. And that's, that's a point that has come to my mind uh, a few times here just recently. You know, I've heard it a long time ago, but it's just come to my mind. Krishna does not make mistakes. If someone dies of this coronavirus, it's not a mistake. It's not by chance that that person got coronavirus and died. If a, if a devotee dies because of a heart attack or because of a stroke or because of a coronavirus or because of an ordinary flu or pneumonia, so what? This is Krishna's body. He's given us this body to use for a short time. Uh, some of us longer than others. Some of us maybe 70, 80, 90 years 
a hundred years. Some people have made it over a hundred years in this lifetime. Uh, but what difference does it make? This body belongs to him. He can do with it as he wants to. Why should I be so attached to something that's not mine? I just happen to inhabit it right now. When I go out and get in my car, you know, and uh, I don't I don't think of myself as being the car. And yet for some reason or other, uh, you know, I'm I'm seated in this body just as like just as I am when I'm out in my car. I'm I'm turning the knobs and, and making it go as I want it to go. But I'm, I'm I have no identification with that car. When that car goes to the wrecking yard or gets sold to somebody else, I don't, I don't feel any big loss. Why should I feel such a big loss if, my, if I happen to give up this present body? I, I know where it came from. It came from the stuff that my mother was eating when I was inside her body. And where did that come from? That came from the soil, from the dirt. So if everything that was used to make up this body came from the dirt and from the air and from the water then uh, where do I expect it to go whenever I leave it? It's going to return to those ingredients. And eventually when Krishna is ready to wind up uh, this, uh, this material world, either partially or completely, uh, then it just goes back, it becomes his energy. Everything that we see in this temple room here, at the time that Krishna is ready to take this bike back into his huge form of Mahavishnu or Karanaanashayi Vishnu or Karanadakashayi Vishnu. Uh, when it gets ready, I mean, it, everything in here just becomes energy and goes back into the body of the Supreme Lord. And that includes these bodies that we inhabit. So we can't, we, we should not be too much attached to these bodies. Of course, we should take care of the bodies very carefully. Just like with this coronavirus now, you know, the head of our spiritual organization, ISKCON, has recommended that we don't have certain, we don't perform certain activities. In other words, you didn't see Charnamrita being served out up here today. Or at least I didn't. Maybe some was, did they bring out those little cups with Charnamrita? And anyhow, I was a latecomer, so I missed it. Um, uh, but anyhow, these, uh, you know, we, we, we understand that there's, there's a problem that can cause the death or cause a lot of suffering, a lot of people. So we try to keep ourselves from being, being affected by it. Why? Because we're so attached to our bodies, right? Well, yeah, that's part of it. But the other part is that we've got a job to do. My spiritual master gave up his body in 2002, and I, I still haven't done enough to merit, you know, going wherever he is. And so I need to get myself in order that I can prepare myself to be able to join him whenever I give up this body. And anyhow, that's the way devotees think about it, even though it may be the coronavirus that takes us out, or it may be a snake bite if we happen to be in India going out to milk the cow in the early morning and get bitten by a cobra, then there's a good chance we'll give up our body that way. But so what? One way or another, we got to go. I mean, whether it's have an accident out on I-30 and an 18-wheeler runs over us and pounds us into the pavement. Not a very pretty thought. I smashed my finger the other day out at Rodinat Prabhu's farm. And it, and it hurt like the dickens. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, I, and I may lose the tip of my finger. I don't know. It depends. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. I still have nine fingers left that function perfectly well, whatever I need to do. I can get prashadam into my mouth using my other hand. <laughs> what, what more do you need than a hand that's, that's available to put prashadam in your mouth? So, you know, a lot of people worry about the, the condition of the world that we live in, and it's certainly not a pretty place, because you know, all you got to do is watch some movies or videos, and you find out the extent to which people will go to cause suffering to other people. Not just to kill them, but to cause suffering to them. And, uh, and some of our world leaders, uh, you know, like the leader of Syria, he has bombed cities within his country and just reducing them to rubble. And millions of people have had to leave the country. Th these kinds of things are going on. 
but uh, we, so we might also ask the question, why does Krishna let that happen to all those nice people who are living in children? What about the children? Aren't they, aren't they free from any, any uh, uh, offense or any reactions? The answer is no, they're not. Just as their parents are not. And just as we are not, we're not, we're not completely free. Well, in a sense, we are freed because it said, whenever you take to the service of the Supreme Lord, you're no, you no longer have karma. Did you know that? No karma. But Krishna can give you a reaction every now and then from time to time just to let you know that this is not your final resting place. This world, isn't, you're not going to be here forever and ever. So you might as, might as well get used to it and, and go ahead and make preparations to leave. And so that's what, that's what Narada Muni has already begun at this very early age in his life. That's the reason that he is giving advice to Srila Veda Vyas, who is an incarnation of, of the Supreme Lord. He's of the Vishnu category, did you know? Veda Vyas, Vishnu category. And uh, and but uh, Narada Muni is not; he's Jiva. And yet here he is. He's he, he's telling Srila Vyasadeva, Vyas, He's telling him why he's not very happy. Why, even though he's split the, the the Vedas up into four parts, he's done all this amazing amount of work that nobody is capable of doing in this world nowadays. And he's done all that, and yet he's dissatisfied. And so Narada Muni just happens to show up. You know, just walking around, playing on his Venus, singing. And he comes upon Srila Vyasadeva, and, and he comes in, sits down with him. And, and Vyasadeva accepts him as his spiritual master. Here's a boy that's born of a maidservant. He's not Vishnu category stuff. He's Jiva category. And yet, he's, become, he's, he's reached such an exalted position in his life by the time that we hear him in this, in this uh, first canto of the sixth chapter, he's reached a position in his life that he can go and, and he, can, he can tell Srila Vyasadeva what it is that's causing him not to feel so good about himself and what he's done. So Narada Muni is an amazing personality. He has tremendous spiritual power. He's got potency there because, because he, he's just done all the right things with his life. And he was very fortunate to be born as the son of a milkmaid, or as a, not a milkmaid, but, but as a, a serving lady, uh, and uh, to have the association of very advanced Vaishnavas. That's, that's really, that's really quite, quite an achievement for him to have to make. All right, if there's nothing else, then I think we should stop now. Is that all right? Thank you all very much for coming and being with us this morning. All of you are listening in online. Uh, we offer you our respectful obeisances because you're Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. You just like desire trees, you fulfill the desires of everyone. You're full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. So we offer our obeisances. Vanchakalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhya Patitanam Pavanebio, Vaishnavibio, Namunama, Anatakoti Vaishnavinda Kijai, Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai, Shil Prabhupada Kijai, Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam Kijai, Gauda Premananda, Hari Haribo. Let's go out and make some devotees today, what you say? Okay, we can't make devotees. Let's just. Let's, let's inform someone about Krishna consciousness sometime during the day. Can you do that, everybody? I don't hear you, those that are listening at home or somewhere else. I don't hear you. I hope you're saying, yes, Rupa Das, we can do that. Hare Krishna.